Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good to see everybody. And hey kids, we in just a little bit, kids, we've got another special segment for you. And I think adults, I think you'll enjoy this as well, just like you did last week with that video. And so there's there's some that are on the live stream right now, so we want to welcome you. And also we've got some folks that are in cars over here. And so it's just great to be together again. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'd love, and our staff would love to meet you just after service under these tents over there. Tonight what we're doing is we're moving a little further into this series of messages from the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, and we're studying the history and the movement of the Christian church. You might be wondering, what are the roots of the Christian church? This is what Acts really helps us understand. It's a history book, and so Acts gives us the history of the church, but it does it, and it, and it does it in chronological order. Picking up with the resurrection of Jesus and his appearance to many, uh, it goes to the commissioning or the assigning of the disciples of their, their mandate to go and reach out. And then we looked last week also about the ascension and how Jesus ascended into heaven to where he is now. And we, we also last week talked about this banner right here, which lays out really the theme verse of the whole book of Acts and really this series, Acts 1-8, it reads this. This is what Jesus said to his followers, the early, or the earliest followers, but this still really applies to us. It, it reads, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city that they were in, and in all Judea, which is the region that Jerusalem was in, and then Samaria, which is the neighboring region to the north and to the ends of the earth. And so we talked last week about this ripple effect of how we would be Christ's witnesses, starting you know, in our town, in our neighborhoods even, moving out to the regions around us, to the state, to the country, and to the ends of the earth. And last week we also talked about how the church, they were known for being a people who were praying together often. They gathered and they prayed together. And this week what I want to do is I want to move a little further into the book of Acts, and we're going to head into the second chapter and do our best to cover it uh, this evening. Acts 2 is, is a lengthy chapter, but and we're going to cover most of it, so buckle up. You ready for it? So let's look first at Acts 2, verse 1. Here's how it begins. Acts 2, 1 reads, when the day of Pentecost came, you're wondering, what is Pentecost? That was a Jewish feast day uh, that was 50 days after the Jewish celebration of Passover. So Pentecost, you hear the 50th, basically. 50 days after the, after the Passover was this Jewish celebration called Pentecost. It was, a, it was a feast of harvest, and it was a celebration of the first fruits of the harvest season that was coming. And so every year they would celebrate the beginnings of harvest season. And it had some spiritual significance beyond that for the Jews. So it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they, who's they? It's really it's the followers, all the followers of Jesus at this point. 
So men and women, totaling about 120 people, were all together in one place. Likely a, a large house in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem, not far from the temple. Jesus actually told his disciples to wait there in the city of Jerusalem, to not return to Galilee, which uh, many of them were from, but to stay in Jerusalem and to await their empowering from the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish this mission of being witnesses to the ends of the earth. And 120 of them were gathered, and that might sound like a, a huge house or like a mansion, but you can actually fit 120 people into pretty tight quarters if needed. In fact, here's a picture of some of our gatherings of about that crowd. Some of you might remember the the one on the top is a training rally that we did. Just around, maybe a little over 100 people gathered to train for something we did a few years back called the Orange Crestival. And we all stuffed into half of our office because we bought an office, or we, we had a lease for an office. And eventually we expanded the office, but this was the first office with just the one side. And we, a hundred, about, I think it was like 105 or 110 people huddled together for a training rally. So that's about, you know, the size. Or if you go to the, the other picture, that is our three year anniversary as a church. But again, you can sort of see 120 people can fit into pretty tight quarters if you need to. And so the church is gathered together in a house in an upper room. And this, these pictures sort of give us a sense of the, the size of the first group of Christians. In case you're wondering, well, how did this all start? I mean, Christianity is this huge worldwide movement. It keeps expanding. How did all this start? It started with a group about this size. This group that banded together. It wasn't a giant group. But look at what God has accomplished through this size group. And there must have been, while they're huddled in this house, a lot of excitement and anticipation as this group of people prayed together and waited on God. And then, verse 2, it reads, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So some sort of loud sound blast came into the house, sort of like the sound of a of a windstorm or, you know, I've never experienced, maybe some of you have experienced a tornado. Has anybody experienced a tornado? Any hands? Yeah, I see. I see that hand. <laughs> Always wanted to say that. But I, I've never experienced a tornado, but I can imagine... A tornado sound. So I was watching some YouTube videos of tornadoes, and, and it's quite a sound. But here's the thing. What this is saying is it was just the sound. Sound like the sound of a blowing wind or a, a blowing of a violent wind. So there actually wasn't a windstorm outside. It just sounded like something like that, like a violent windstorm. But there was not actual wind. It was this rushing sound, though. There's a supernatural sound that filled the house. Does anyone have a whole house fan? You, know, you turn it on, you open the vent, and you hear this rushing sound. And so now I want you to sort of multiply that many times to a supernatural level. And something like that, something otherworldly was occurring in that upper room and in that house. And then verse 3, it says they saw... What seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest 
on each one of them. So on all these 120 followers of Jesus, they experience this. First, you have this sound that isn't wind, but it sounds like wind, like violent wind. Then you have something visible like fire, but nothing is burning up. These were individual, and it's hard to get our minds around this, but these were individual little tongues of fire that came and were distributed to everybody that was present in that upper room. This is really significant. Everyone had one of these flaming tongues over their head. What we're learning is that no one is left out. All 120 of them experienced this. And what what exactly is this? Verse 4 is going to clue us in. So verse 4, it says, All of them were then filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Again, no one is left out. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so something is happening around them. Then individually something is happening and impacting each one of them. And now something is occurring inside of them. And this event is referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A baptism describes a, an immersion, a full immersion, where you're plunged into something. And so to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, you're immersed in the Spirit. And so what we're seeing is these Christians are now empowered by God's Spirit. This is what this verse is talking about, Acts 1-8 on this banner. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what is occurring right there in that upper room. They are now the church. This is opening day ceremony for the church. This is where it began. This is the birth of the Christian church. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, empowered, empowering them to do their mission. Look back at what Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. This is what we looked at a couple weeks ago. Before Jesus ascended, this is what he said. He told his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So God, in this moment, he, he kept his promise to his followers. And he sent his spirit as a gift to them, God's Spirit is eternal. That's not the first appearance of the Spirit. God's Spirit is eternal. He has no beginning, no end. The Bible teaches that He's one, that the Spirit is one with the Father. He's one with the Son. And in the past, people had been empowered by the Holy Spirit for a season or for a certain situation in the past. But now the Holy Spirit had come and would not leave. Now he's with the church. And this is still true. He's present, living inside of all Christ's followers. Look back at verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, we experience this same empowering the very moment 
that we trust Christ as our Savior and follow him as the Lord or as the boss, we like to say, as the boss of our lives. The moment you decide to become a Christian is the moment the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. That is your baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is actually the down payment of what is to come. He gives us the power to live out this assignment to be Christ's witnesses. Now, about 20 years after this event, here's how one church leader described, Paul described this spiritual reality. To a, to a group of Christ followers in an ancient city called Corinth, which is about 30 minutes outside of Athens, Greece. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He writes, he says, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts. We know this. This is an analogy. Paul's using an analogy about our human body. The body's unit, it's made up of many parts. We have all of our different body parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So he uses that human analogy. And then he says, so it is with Christ. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, so he's saying regardless of your station in life, regardless of your nationality, regardless of if you came from a God-fearing family, God-fearing background or not, everybody that was in the church in Corinth, he's saying, you've all been baptized into one spirit, into the body. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Because he's saying, when you committed your life to follow Christ, you were baptized and immersed in the spirit. Now again, this going back to Acts, this is this is a very important uh, passage because it helps us understand when did the church really begin to spring into action? It's really it's, it came at the empowering of the church as they were gathered together because the Holy Spirit was given. And it's important to note that. Their receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with how good they'd been. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that they were praying. It, it was just that God decided to send his spirit on this day, the day of Pentecost. And it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And basically, we're going to learn, these were intelligible foreign languages as the Spirit enabled them. So all of these people started speaking different languages. And it wasn't their own languages. But the Spirit was enabling to speak foreign languages. Now, the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of, of the Holy Spirit upon these Christians both occurred in that moment for the church. But they're not the same thing. And there's a lot of confusion sometimes about what are these what is this describing, the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit? And so, for a moment, let's talk about what is the filling of the Holy Spirit. You'll see this phrase come up in Acts over and over. They were filled with the Spirit, and they did this. Or they were filled with the Spirit. You'll see it as we walk through the book of Acts. You'll see this phrase. You'll see it in many other letters that we're to be, to be continually desiring to be filled with the Spirit. Well, we're, we're like containers, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit, but we're like containers, and we're like, we're like leaky containers. We don't lose the Spirit, but we can leak this filling of the Spirit. We can leak the, 
the ability to be empowered and the the way that we the way that we remain filled with the spirit is we rely on the resources of the spirit prayer word we've talked about the wheel of obedience prayer word the word of god fellowship ministry these are resources and as we tap into those resources of word, prayer, fellowship, and ministry, it's like we're feeding the Spirit of God. This feeling can be understood as, as something like domination or control. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're dominated by the Spirit. And if you want that, you get into the Word of God. You, you, you commit to be a person of prayer. You remain in fellowship. You keep clear with people. You serve, because serving gets us past ourselves. It, gets, it breaks and chips away at our selfishness as we serve. But all of these things cause this filling of the Spirit to occur in our lives. We'll look more at this later in this series. But here's the key. Without the Holy Spirit in operation in our lives, we would not have the power to play out this role that we've been assigned But when we are filled with the Spirit, when we're relying on His resources, then God does the heavy lifting tied to this massive assignment that He has given to the church. And that's exactly where this passage goes. So take a look. Now that they have this gift of an internal power source in the person of the Holy Spirit, immediately there's a, there's a response. God starts moving through the crowd who is listening to this commotion Outside, because others can hear these men speaking and women speaking in different foreign languages, different tongues. So let's look at Acts 2, verse 5 through 13. It says, Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. These were all these different Jews who had been scattered through throughout the different captivities, and exiles from hundreds of years prior, these were God-fearing Jews, meaning they held on to their faith in God, but they'd been, for many hundreds of years, people have been living in different lands, having children in different lands, and they'd been scattered throughout with years of war and years of conquest. But many, every year, would return to Jerusalem to celebrate special Jewish holidays. And one of those days was the day of Pentecost. And so you see, here's an image of how the Jews had spread around the land. These are these arrows that generate from Jerusalem. If you can see where it starts in Israel, you can see the arrows and where all the Jews had spread. These are known as the Jews of the Diaspora. They had, they had been scattered around. Well, But they all came back to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. This was intentional that God... Now we look back and we see, wow, God knew exactly what he was doing to send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost because all of these Jews would return and be able to see and hear what God was doing. And already what we start seeing is that God had a plan to spread the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So he sends the Holy Spirit to empower the church at the perfect time, a holiday when all these visitors were in town. It sort of reminds me of the opportunity that we have in our city. We have often visiting scholars who come to our local universities to teach, and they come from foreign lands. 
And they come here for a few years to teach or to study. And God has, it through the years at our church, he's given us people who can speak these different foreign languages and connect with people that are visiting from other countries. And they're able to share the message of Jesus. And Lord willing, some of those that have come will, will hear that message and respond. And take that message to their own home land far from here. And that's exactly what God was doing on the day of Pentecost. So look at verse 6. When they heard this sound, meaning the crowds outside, these people that were visiting, of Jewish descent though, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them speak, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? And Galileans were sort of like farmers, fishermen. So this was strange. They said, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. <laughs> it's a holiday. They're thinking, they're, getting, they're just getting started early, I guess. So God is setting up for this group to be witnesses to all these other regions. Because if these people... From all these different lands were to respond and experience life change, then this message could impact further and further and further out to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to invite up Stephanie, our kids zone director, to bring the kids of OCC into this story. And I want to encourage you, uh, parents and adults, to watch as well. Stories of the Bible God sends the Holy Spirit. These are the apostles. They followed Jesus during his time on earth. Before Jesus went to heaven, he told them to stay in Jerusalem until God sent the gift he promised. See ya! So after Jesus went to heaven, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem along with the other people who believed in Jesus. One day they were all gathered together when there was a sound from heaven like a mighty windstorm. Whoa! Then what looked like flames appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in other languages, and so they started speaking. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, they came running to see what it was. When they saw the believers speaking in their own languages, they were shocked and amazed. They wondered, how can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages about the wonderful things God has done. What can this mean? But others in the crowd didn't believe that it was really a miracle, and thought the believers were just acting oddly. Then Peter stepped forward and shouted to the crowd, Hey, all you! Listen carefully, all you! He told them that they were not acting strangely, 
but that this was from God. He reminded them that God said this would happen long ago. Then Peter told them about how Jesus was crucified, but then raised to life again, just as God had said he would be. He told them that Jesus was now in heaven, and that God had given the Holy Spirit to them, as he had promised. Peter's words changed what the people thought and felt, and they asked, Brothers, what should we do? Peter told them, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow! Peter continued to preach to the crowd for a long time, and those who believed what Peter said were baptized. 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church. Okay, are you guys liking these videos? Yeah, they're so cute! If you guys want to watch them, it's Saddleback Kids. They put out a ton of them, and they're super fun, so feel free to check them out online. Okay, we're not going to do, like, a warm-up. However, I have three announcements for you. So, kids, during this time, if you want to stand up, if you have feeling a little antsy, you can move around, spin in a circle, jump up and down, whatever you need to do right now. This is your time. However, you still have to listen to what I'm saying, Okay. All right, feel free to move, though. Okay, the first thing is KZTV, who's been watching? Yes, I'm so glad. This is episode three. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to our website, go to the kids' ministry portion, and you will see um, videos that we've been creating about the Israelites wandering through the desert and all that God is teaching them through that, okay? All right, my second thing, it's less fun of a thing to talk about, but we're going to talk about it as a family right now, okay? So we talked about this a few weeks ago, but repetition is key, so I'm going to bring it on back. We're going to talk about not climbing on rocks and sticking with our families. I know. It's so hard, right? They look so cool and so awesome to jump off of and climb on. However, we have uh, made an agreement with this church, and we really want to respect that. And so as we are on their property, we want to be super safe. We want to be proactive of really taking care of their area. And so kiddos, thank you so much for really, really trying hard and staying off of the rocks. The other thing is after church, we want you to go and see your friends, but take at least one parent with you, okay? Make sure you take a parent to go see any of your friends, all right? After church, not yet. Okay, the third thing is that um, next week, if you heard on the announcements, we are having a Kids Zone event right here before church. Games, prizes, music, moving, so many fun things, so make sure that you don't miss it. All right, guys, we have been listening to Josh and watching a video about when the Holy Spirit came down on the first church, and it is such a cool story. But I remember thinking, God could have given them, like, any superpower possible through the Holy Spirit, right? They could have flown. They could have, like, leaped over buildings. Literally, he could have given them anything. Why did he give them the ability to talk in other languages? And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? This really shows how much God loves all people. He didn't want his message of love and um, acceptance and forgiveness of people to only stay in one place. He wanted all of the people in all different tribes and languages and places to be able to hear about his goodness and that he wants a relationship with them. So I have some friends joining me up here, and we're going to be reading a passage in four different languages, okay? 
we are, oh yeah, okay, we're excited. Um, we're not going to tell you what the language is then, okay? So listen to it, try to figure it out. If you still can't figure it out at the end, you're welcome to go and ask them after church, okay? So we're going to start with Brianna. Go for it. Y les dijo Pedro, arrepiéntase y bautícese cada uno de ustedes en el nombre de Jesucristo para perdón de sus pecados. Le contestó Pedro, y recibirán el don del Espíritu Santo. Does anyone know what that is? Spanish! We actually hear this language a lot, right? Isn't it so beautiful? Okay, next we're going to have busy go. Pierre le répond, changez votre vie. Chacun de vous doit se faire baptiser au nom de Jésus-Christ. Ainsi, Dieu pardonnera vos péchés et il vous donnera l'Esprit Saint. Oh, that one's pretty. Did you guys, do you guys know what it is? Oh, okay, we got some ideas. That's awesome. Okay, so next we're going to have Josh go. Petros ba Ishan guft. Tu bakunid wa hamashuma fardan fard parai amarzeshe gunahanetan banam isayemasi tamid bagirid that was so cool. Any guesses? Oh, okay. Got some guesses. All right. Last one is going to be Preston. Patras jam sare. Atgailaukite. Ir kiekvienas ta pasikrikštėje Jėzus Kristus vardu, kad būtų atleistos jūsų nuodėmes ir jūs gausite šventosios dvasios dovaną. Thank you, guys. You're welcome to go sit down. Doing it Okay, that was so cool, right? I had them all say the last thing at the same time because that's what I picture it was at that time, right? These men walk out and these women and they're speaking all these languages and people are so confused. And yet, if it was your language, you are so excited to be able to hear what they were saying in your language. Do you guys know what they said at the end? Could you hear it? They said, all glory be to God in heaven and on earth. Because that is what it's about, right? All nations glorifying one God, our Savior and Lord. Thanks so much, guys. Isn't this fun? Isn't this amazing that we're able to do this? So that experience right there. Is, is very similar, but you just have to magnify because there's 120 people speaking and God was trying to get his message to all of those different people. And so his spirit enabled the church to be able to declare the power of God, the promises of God. And so here's what happened. And you saw this in the video when everyone said, what's really going on? These men are speaking our languages and some made fun and some said, well, maybe this is real. And as Peter stood up. With the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. And he quotes from the Old Testament. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to encourage you to read, and I know some of you have been reading with us, and you've already read this, but read again Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 35, and read more of Peter's sermon on your own. Let's skip down to verse 36. This is how he wraps up his sermon. He connects some dots, and then he basically says, Therefore, let all Israel, so all the Jews, let all of you be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Peter, who's a Jewish man from Galilee, he gets up, he starts connecting dots from their own history and from passages that these God-fearing visitors would have been familiar with. And he's connecting spiritual dots and the Holy Spirit began working in their hearts because that's what God does. You see, we're Christ's witnesses. We're his messengers But God does the heavy lifting through the Holy Spirit. And when you share the message of Jesus, and when I share the message of Jesus, we do our part and God does the heavy lifting through the power of his Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can convict people of sin. He's the only one who can convince people of the truth. Even tonight, maybe God is connecting some dots for you in your heart. Look at what happened to this group after Peter delivers this sermon. It says in verse 37, when the people heard these, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's almost like God sent Peter's message like arrows into all of these hearts and it pierced their hearts. It cut them to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love this response. When God speaks to us, we shouldn't delay. There was no delay by these people. There was no distraction. There was no dragging their feet. God's spirit was at work. And some people rose their voice to find out, what do we do now? What do we do with Jesus and this message? This is the most important question that you No matter your age, this is the most important question that you could ever ask in all of your life. What do I do with Jesus? What do I do now? When you come to hear the good news that God, the God of the universe, sent his son Jesus on a rescue plan from heaven to earth for sinful humans. When you learn that Jesus, the perfect one, came to earth and took Your and my punishment for our sin upon himself in his own flesh. He died to pay the price for your sin, your rebellion. What do you do with that? That's what these men are saying. What do we, what should we do? And we invite you to wrestle with this very same question tonight. What shall we do? Before we see Peter's reply, Today there are still all sorts of vain attempts made by people to obtain salvation or to make themselves right with God. Maybe right now you're trying to do that. You're thinking, I've got a plan to make my life right with God. I'm going to make my peace with God. Here's my plan. Today there's all sorts of thoughts and attempts, but they're vain attempts to reach God. Whether legalism, meaning 
I'm going to follow God's laws. I'm going to try to be perfect. Good luck with that. None of us can be perfect. Some people try morality, meaning I'm going to try to be a good person. Maybe you even thought to yourself, well, I'm a pretty good person. I think God loves good people, and I'm a pretty good person. problem is we're still sinners. Some people are trying to connect with God through tradition. Like, I'm just going to go to church. If I go to church, then God will probably, maybe if I just have enough stamps, like the stamp card at the yogurt shop. If I just stamp the card enough times on earth, maybe when I die, then God will say, let me see your stamp card. Yep. No, but that's not how it works. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or, hey, my family got enough stamps on their stamp card. Can I borrow from their stamps? No, it doesn't work that way. Or another vain attempt is universalism, meaning I'm going to commit myself deeply to something, anything. Because for some, the belief is that all roads just lead to heaven, even though the Bible clearly teaches that narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Not all roads lead to heaven. So we have to ask this question, what shall we do? And if you're asking that question tonight, let's see how Peter answered that crowd. It's the same answer today, nearly 2,000 years later. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent, which means stop going your own way in life and start going God's way. Repentance begins with the change of mind that results in an abandoning our post as the ruler of the universe. We decide I'm done trying to rule my life. I'm, st- I'm going to stop going my way and I'm going to start going God's way and do life his way. I'm going to turn to God. So Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So basically, Peter extends the invitation. And if you can hear these words right now, this is for you. Even right now. Look at verse 39. The promise is for you and your children, Peter says. But this is true still. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. I love the imagery of that verse right there. I love the generational impact. Dads and moms. This begins with you. There are some exceptions, but often children naturally imitate what has been exampled to them when it comes to genuine faith. They look at mom, they look at dad, and they see what have they, what have they demonstrated through all of these years. Not perfection, but a walk with God that is real. So moms and dads, there is no time to waste. Grandparents, there is no time to waste. You're exampling. Will the turning point for the next generation begin with you, moms, dads, grandparents, those who have spiritual influence? This can begin with you. Or if you're here right now without family, and maybe you're on your own, the verse says, even for those who are far off, this is for you. Then it says, verse 40, with many other words, Peter, he warned them. And he pleaded with them. And here's what he said. Save yourselves 
from this corrupt generation. What an appropriate message for today, right? 2020. Save yourselves. The year we all wish would end. Save yourselves. Peter doesn't say to save yourself through your big ideas, through your own efforts, your own answers, your own suspicions. But through believing in Jesus, repenting of doing life your own way and yielding your life to to Christ as the boss. And then, boom, Peter's message pierces the hearts. And verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Talk about a challenge. You go from 120 people to 3,120 in a message. Wow. To see a move of God like that in our lifetime, how we need this. Many of us are believing God still for this type of impact through our lives and through our churches, right? This is what we want to see. You know, on November 22nd, we're going to be holding a baptism. Lord willing, right here, somewhere here. Unless we notify you otherwise, November 22nd, we're going to have a baptism. We've gotten permission from East Hills. Baptism is where newer Christians go public with their faith. Peter said, repent, be baptized, go public. Declare you're a Christian. Identify publicly before your friends, before your neighbors, before your family members. Go public. And so we want to do that. We're going to have a baptism on November 22nd. Baptism, you should know, it's not a saving act, but it's a public announcement. It's a bold declaration of faith. So let us know if you'd like to be baptized in November. Acts 2.42, let's keep going. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. I love that list of what they devoted. This is what the church did. What do you devote yourself to? Softball teams. I've done that. I've been pretty devoted at points. Monday night football. I got into that for a brief stint. It's it's enjoyable. Sports. It's enjoyable. Favorite shows. Annual trips. Hunting for deals. Sales. Shopping. What are you devoted to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. This is awesome. Have we lost this? Does this still happen? Can this still happen? Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. In verse 44, all the believers were together. There was a priority, even then, of gathering. This is not an option for the church. We need to gather. We need to share life together. Even beyond this weekly gathering, we need more than this. The value in church life is not just this weekly gathering. This matters, but there's so much more. This is really what doesn't make sense to our government leaders. Sometimes when they said, hey, just churches, just go online. We did. But there's so much more than just tuning in to hear a weekly message. We need to be together, right? And it says that they gathered together and had everything in common. Now, what is this talking about? Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone 
as he had need. Now this is not, don't mistake this for socialism. This is a willingness to sacrifice as needs or opportunities present themselves. This is not to support a political agenda. But this just highlights the way that the body cared for those in the body. The church cared for the needs within the body. This is still so, so important. This is not a a statement about us taking responsibility for those who don't want to take personal responsibility. You can't get that from this verse. But when needs, real needs, come up within the body, we have ways of screening true needs versus just a situation that might concern us but not require us to all rally around and step in to help. So we evaluate as situations come up in our church. We actually have a benevolence fund for this very purpose. But the the body cared for itself. Then look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was being accomplished right then and there. We see it. The moment the gift of the Holy Spirit is given... The church explodes. They had large group gatherings like this, where they gathered in the temple courts. They had small group gatherings where they gathered in homes. We don't currently have a large group meeting place. Hence, we're on a field. (laughs) Here's a property plug. Thank you for giving to the property. Thank, Thank you, because... It's, it gives us a vision. It gives us a hope to know that we invested in the future. And at some point, we'll gather on a property that we together have sacrificed to purchase and intend to build in the years ahead. And if you're newer to OCC and you want to learn about that, let us know. Or ch- check out our Advanced Horizontal uh, website from our, from our homepage. Let's roll back into that kids video to sum up this final section of Acts chapter 2. Then all the believers listened to the apostles' teaching and practiced what they taught. Hey! They met together in fellowship, shared meals, and prayed together. They were amazed as the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Here you go. Take this. They help those in need. Thank you. Worship together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy, all while praising God and enjoying each other. And each day, God added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, be exciting is to see God do that while we're for however many months outside, that God would add to our number those who are being saved. That we'd say, wow, who would have known that God had a plan to grow his church outside? But I want to encourage you to to ask God to peel your life inside out, to look beyond just your own needs and concerns, and extend this message of hope This is our assignment. 
This hasn't changed, regardless of what happens in the news, in politics. This assignment isn't going to change for us. And if we'll play our role, then God does the heavy lifting through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, in operation in us. And he grows his church. We're going to spend some time receiving the Lord's Supper uh, this evening. I want to invite our, our, our worship team to join back up here. But the Lord's Supper is a brief memorial ceremony that, that Christ's followers use to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us when Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And for us, it's a time to get things straightened out with God and one another. And so we're going to sing a couple of songs. And in the first song, we want to invite you to examine your spiritual life before you take the Lord's Supper, because the Bible teaches that we're to examine ourselves before we receive the bread and the cup, which are symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. And so we're to, we're to not take this flippantly. We're not to, to just take this thoughtlessly as some tradition, but this is a serious memorial. We're remembering the God who loved you so much that he bled and died for you. You couldn't earn that. I know my sin. You know your sin. You know what you've been forgiven from. And I, I want to encourage you to call that stuff to mind and say, thank you, Lord, for the cross. God, the Bible says that God demonstrated his own love for us in that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we cleaned up our act. He didn't wait till we started punching the stamp card and going to church more often. Or becoming more generous or, or stopped cussing or, or stopped crossing lines that God has said not to cross. No, he, he reached out to us in our sin and our brokenness. And he made a way for us to be restored to the Father. It cost him his very life. He shed his own blood for, for you and for me. And so when we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering this act of sacrifice, this powerful, loving act of kindness and mercy extended to us from a good, holy God. And so here's how we want to examine ourselves spiritually. Up here on the screen you see, in preparation, let's confess specific sin to the Lord. This is between you and God. As God brings anything to your mind, you, you probably received a video this week to help. And Cody led us in preparing for the Lord's Supper. But if you didn't have time to go and go before the Lord in prayer and really begin to confess sin in your life that you've not brought before the Lord and asked Him to forgive you from, then take the time right now in the quietness of your own heart and just say, God, I've sinned against you in these ways. And I'm sorry. I know that sin is serious. And I know that you died for my sin. All of it in the past. Everything in the present. All of it will come in the future. But I still want to just own the fact that I've sinned against you again. I built this pattern up or I crossed this line and it's not right. And I'm sorry, God. Thank you for dying for me. And then just receive his forgiveness. Meaning say, God, thank you for forgiving me. So God, and name it specifically. God, I did this. I lied. I gave in to lust. I gave in to greed. I got prideful. I gossiped. Whatever it is. Just call it what it is. Confess it to the Lord and then receive his forgiveness. And then the second part is to clear up 
any broken relationships. So if the person is present and has offended you and asks you to forgive them, then forgive them. If you're able to forgive them, forgive them. Or if you're, if there's a relationship that you know is, is damaged because of an offense and you're prepared to forgive them from the heart, then you can just do that right now before the Lord. So that when that person comes and clears it up with you, if and when they come and, and seek your forgiveness, you're ready to do that. You're prepared to forgive them. Or if the person is here and you've offended them and you know it, then just go to them. If they're here tonight, just go to them or text them and say, hey, I want to talk. Maybe we can talk after service is over. Own it without blaming them and ask their forgiveness. And we're not going to spend a lot of time, and so you'll, you'll likely need to take some time later to work a little further through this with the Lord or with, with an individual. But before you take the Lord's Supper, just commit to move towards making things right with God or making things right and reconciling with your brother or sister or your friend or that person in your life. If they're not present, you can just commit to move towards reconciliation and just commit that to God. And then you can take the Lord's Supper with a clear conscience. So we're going to sing. And as we're singing, you can sing, but you can also just pray. And then I'll lead us forward after this song. One other thing, we're going to have some ushers just passing around some plates. Uh, they're going to distribute them near your, near the sign by your seat. And so you won't need to really walk around to find it. They'll be distributed around if you haven't already received one. And if we could also get some up here for the, the worship team as well. And I want to read these verses. Would you read these with me? This is Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out to you. And so during this next song, whenever you're ready, you may still be in prayer, you may still be talking with a person, um, but whenever you're ready during this next song, at whatever point you decide, uh, you can you can... Take the bread and eat it. That symbolizes the body that was given for you of Jesus. And you can drink the cup. This symbolizes the blood that was shed, poured out for you. So let's pray, and then Cody will lead us in a final song. Father, we thank you for this sweet time of uh, hearing your word explained, learning about your great power that is... uh, living inside of those of us who who follow you. Your Holy Spirit that empowered the church 2,000 years ago lives in us. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with us. Father, I pray that as we consider the sacrifice you've made, that you would just take us back to... Uh, the point when we received you and, and just in gratitude, Lord, that we consider the many ways that you have uh, you've rescued us out of uh, sin and darkness. We thank you for the work you have done in Jesus. And so we sing these songs in gratitude. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. During this song, if you're ready to receive the Lord's Supper, then go ahead and do that at any point. If you're not yet a Christ follower... 
and you're still considering following Jesus, then you can just uh, let that pass and uh, you can continue to reflect on that. Please let us know if we can help you in any way to know how to respond to Jesus. We would love to do that even tonight. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.